Welcome to the Helping Couples Heal podcast, a place for healing and hope for couples impacted by betrayal resulting from infidelity and or sex addiction. Your hosts are Marnie Breaker and Dwayne Osterland, licensed marriage and family therapists, certified sex addiction therapists, and founders of respective treatment centers in Long Beach, Los Angeles, and San Diego, California. Marnie and Dwayne co-created Helping Couples Heal, a comprehensive program for couples recovering from betrayal trauma, including an in-person two-day workshop, an online aftercare program, and this podcast series is the first component of the program. Thank you for listening. Marnie and Dwayne are committed to helping you recover from the devastating impact of betrayal trauma and are honored to support you wherever you may be in your healing. If you've lost hope, you've come to the right place. Now, take a slow, deep breath, and let's begin with the Helping Couples Heal podcast. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to Helping Couples Heal. This is Marnie and Dwayne, and we are glad to be here with you. Hey, Dwayne. Hey, it's great to be here and be recording another episode. Yeah, and this episode we are hoping will be incredibly helpful for both betrayers and betrayed because we're talking about the greater system of how to heal and how to look at healing and how to approach the concept of healing relationships after betrayal. We're going to be talking today about a restorative justice model approach versus a retributive justice model approach. And that might seem to be like a foreign language to anybody who's listening. So we are going to put this into a context. And first, we're going to explain why we're even talking about this. Yeah, I think this is so important because a restorative justice model frames all of our work and how we approach what's going on when we are helping couples heal. So one of the dynamics that we see all the time with working with both partners, addicts, people that have betrayed their partner, people that are abusing their partner through the betrayal, and couples that are trying to heal after betrayal, is this idea, particularly in the beginning after discovery, where the partner rightfully so is furious and angry about the damage that's been done by the betrayer. And there's often a deep desire for the person who has hurt them to suffer and to understand the deep pain that they are experiencing. And there's often a spirit of, you do not have any rights, right? You don't have rights. You can't set boundaries. Your feelings don't matter. And it's all about me. And when we look from a, at a humanistic perspective, that makes sense. Like when we're hurt and somebody, especially someone we love has hurt us, we're going to feel really angry and we might want them to hurt as much as we're hurting, right? Like we're, we're human. I think that's a normal and expected reaction to being hurt by somebody. Yeah, definitely. But the thing is, what I see here is that one of these models leads to healing and the other one leads to more hurt and more pain in the long run. But yeah, definitely, you know, when we're hurt, sometimes we want to lash out at the person that has hurt us and we want to make them pay for the harm that they've done. And we can get locked into that space and it really doesn't offer a deeper level of healing, which I think what most couples, when they decide they're going to heal the relationship they want, they want to create a space that is whole and feels good and is healthy for everybody in that space. Yeah. And, you know, when I work with couples, one of the sort of ongoing dynamics that I see is that the betrayed partner wants me to align with them on some level, you know, aligning with them 
and saying that the person who hurt them doesn't really have the ability to set boundaries or that their feelings are less important. And I think that really what we're going to do in this episode is unpack all of that because on one hand, there's some truth to that. We believe in triage, right? We believe that when the betrayed partner comes in, she is hemorrhaging, she's in pain, her world and her reality has been shattered. And we have to look at that first. But when we're also asked by the couple, including the betrayed partner, to help them heal as a couple, then our job as the therapist is to actually build a system of mutual empathy, right? Where the betrayed partner is asked to not stop being angry because that's not realistic. You know, hopefully, hopefully the deep feeling of ongoing anger is going to dissipate over time. Otherwise, it would be horrible for that person to be in a relationship with the person that hurt them, right? Because they're just going to be angry all the time. Right. Yeah. Right. But to develop um, a system of mutual empathy is really important. And we can't do that through a retributive lens where we are seeking to punish the person who's done the betrayal for the wrongdoing. We can't operate from that model, which basically operates under this principle of an eye for an eye and believing that punishment should be given to the person for the crime committed. And we are talking about, instead of punishment, helping that person take appropriate responsibility for and repair the damage done. Yeah, absolutely. And I think for some couples, they can get stuck in this retributive system where this is where they stay and I'm going to um, keep taking my pain and trying to get you to feel that pain, not in an empathetic way, but to punish you for that. And it keeps that relationship stuck. And definitely when we look at a restorative model, we're looking at how we can repair everybody who's involved in this process from the victim to the offender to the community is in the process of addressing this harm from a system-based perspective and really trying to find a way forward to move beyond that space of just the harm caused. Right. And so when we think about treating betrayal, oftentimes, as we've talked about so many times on this podcast, the betrayer comes in with so much shame, shame about their own behavior, shame about the pain that they've caused their partner, shame about maybe the impact on the whole family system. And you know, we are not looking as clinicians or as mental health professionals to actually further shame that person, right? Our job is actually to provide compassion and empathy for them and give them a space not to get away with what they've done, not to condone what they've done, right? Not to allow lack of accountability and lack of responsibility, but it's about instead of punishing the person and focusing on establishing guilt and assigning blame. It's more about concentrating on the harm done, right? Identifying the harm done, looking at the betrayal, looking at the abuse that accompanies it, and then taking steps to repair it. Yeah, absolutely. So it's just way more restorative when we look at that, because we're really looking at repairing the system on a deeper level and not getting locked into just assigning blame and establishing guilt in a way, we have to pay attention to those things. It's not the focus of it. The focus is like, how are we going to repair? How has this violated people in these relationships when we look at deceptive sexuality? So in a restorative justice model, 
the betrayed partner has the opportunity to express his or her feelings, to describe the impact of the betrayal and the accompanying abuse, and participate in deciding the resolution. So that's where we're talking about boundaries and safety and stabilization and the partner really being able to participate in that process, but it is not a punitive process. And that's, I think, you know, above all what we're trying to talk about today. How do we get away from the idea of punishing the betrayer to assigning responsibility and assigning responsibility for the behavior that's occurred as well as responsibility for the necessary repair that has to happen, but without doing it in this retributive way, as opposed to in a more retributive justice model the victim or the betrayed really has a pretty passive role in it. Yeah, and when you look at the role of the person who's done the offense or the betrayal in a restorative model, they have a really big role in healing the relationship and healing the harm done by understanding the harm they've caused and being able to take responsibility for it, to own it. This is really that deep work that needs to happen If a person who's done the betrayal wants to heal the relationship, they have to be able to do that and then reintegrate into the relationship with that new knowledge. So they're very active in this process, but it has to be done with compassion, not just from this uh, desire to punish, because that's not going to lead to the integration of the relationship in a healthy way where both people can feel good about being in the relationship. And sometimes this is really, it can be hard to do and can feel difficult. It can feel like you're letting the person who's done the betrayal off, but they really have to dig in and understand the harm. Not just like, I know that you're hurt, but really understand betrayal trauma on a deep level. I think that's why our workshop is so powerful because we go into that in a deep way. So the person who's done the betrayal really gets their partner and gets all the aspects of betrayal in a way that they can understand it. And I think in understanding it, it helps them take a deep responsibility for it, a responsibility to make change and make amends and reintegrate into the relationship. And that's a hard process to look at for the offender. So that's why this has to be done from a restorative perspective, because for the offender to be able to walk through his or her shame or guilt, this has to be done with compassion to help the betrayer to be able to take responsibility in this deep way. And it it really is a challenging proposition, but I see it over and over again when the betrayer does this piece the relationship has the best chance of healing by far. I just don't think you can do this from another perspective. And and I also see a lot of couples really get caught in that retributive cycle and they don't move forward. Well, that's what I see. I see that, Dwayne, most often, to be honest, at least in the beginning. And one of the things that I focus on is shifting that approach to a restorative justice model. And, you know, we have both betrayed partners listening to our podcast, as well as those who have betrayed their partner. And then, you know, we have couples listening together. And I imagine there could be 
betrayed partners that are thinking right now, you're coddling the addict, you're coddling the person who's done the betrayal, you're protecting that person, right? You're letting them off the hook. And then maybe some of the betrayers listening are thinking the same thing, like, oh, you see, they're aligning with us. We don't have to be, you know, taking responsibility. Um, You should have empathy for me. It's all about my rights. You know, it's not just about you having boundaries. And we really want to be clear about what we're saying here. We are not coddling anybody. We are approaching healing from a humanistic perspective that all people have rights. All people are deserving of kindness and compassion. And even if we do not like, or we even despise what they did, right? And in the context of trying to heal a relationship with the person that you despise, how do you do that? How do you actually heal in a environment of disgust or an environment of rage? I don't think you do. (laughs) I don't think you do either, which is why we see so many couples that are cycling and cycling and cycling, and we're seeing them for years and years and years, and they're not moving forward and getting better, right? When I work with couples like that, what I see is that the betrayed partner oftentimes is not willing to move into a place of trying to find the ability to develop empathy. And also when the betrayer refuses to take the necessary responsibility for what they have done to own it, to understand it, and then take actionable steps to repair, right? Like this has to happen. It's not about letting anyone off the hook, but it's also about, you know, this idea of allowing somebody without punishment to take responsibility, to acknowledge wrongdoing, and to make things as right as can be. You know, with betrayal, sadly, we acknowledge that things are never going to go back to the way that they were prior to the discovery of betrayal. That's not realistic. In life, anytime there's a trauma, we don't really return to the state we were in prior to the trauma occurring, right? Yeah, absolutely. And I'd also add to that, if we take this restorative justice model a little bit further, what happens is because the person who's done the harm is actively taking responsibility, actively understanding the harm caused, it leads to what I find more chances for reparative behavior, finding ways to make apologies, to make amends, to make restitution, to do service to the person they harmed in a way that benefits the victim. Mm -hmm. But what that also does is allows the person who's done the betrayal to look deeper within themselves, to understand on a deep level why this happened in the first place. Because there is a space created that allows them to do it, which then creates a space where they are less likely to go out and harm again, less likely to do that. Obviously, there's no guarantees But this creates a better space for that possibility to happen because they dig deep. And the reality is that research has actually proven that when we approach things not from a restorative justice model, then people tend to react to punishment by continuing the offending behavior as opposed to using this restorative justice model that shows that this approach can reduce the likelihood, like you were saying, of people continuing to behave in that offending way, right? So with betrayal, the likelihood of a person being sober and maintaining their sobriety and stopping the integrity abuse, it is likely 
for that to occur in the context of restorative justice. We've seen that, right? So anybody who's listening that's sort of like, I don't agree with this. They're saying that we should let the person who's hurt us off the hook. They don't have to take responsibility. They don't deserve punishment. What I would say is, yes, we are saying they don't deserve punishment. They do deserve and need consequences, appropriate consequences, and there needs to be appropriate and full and complete responsibility taking. But that if we stay in this more of a retribution state or stage, we are going to miss the opportunity for really being able to heal and to heal not just in the moment or not just for a short period of time, but healing that will last hopefully a lifetime. Yeah. You know, as you're talking about this, I'm just thinking about when I see relationships or even communities in the betrayal trauma field that, you know, I think are kind of stuck in the retributive cycle There's a lot of toxicity there to me, a lot of anger and rage. And I'm not saying that anger and rage isn't appropriate. That is appropriate. But when we are stuck in this punitive stance, we don't create the opportunity for us to move beyond that. It is a cycle that just continues harm. And people can get stuck in that cycle over and over and over again. And there is not really, in my opinion, freedom in that. So, you know, we want to be careful to be able to say that we're not saying that you shouldn't be angry, you shouldn't have rage, you shouldn't have hurt, you should have all of those things. But we want to move to a place that restores wholeness, that restores goodness, that restores hope for everybody involved. And that takes a lot of work and patience and thoughtfulness. It doesn't just happen uh, overnight. Right. And it also requires respect for both parties. Again, as hard as that is. And when I have a couple in my office and one person has done really, truly egregious acts and has damaged their family and damaged their partner and hurt their children and maybe you know, blew up their finances and all these things. It's not that I look at that person and I think, oh, it's okay that they did that. You know, I often have anger too. And, I, and I'll say that, you know, I'll, yeah. sp- I'll speak to that. I'll say, I absolutely cannot imagine how your partner feels because to be honest, as I sit here and hear about the impact of what you've done on your family, um, I'm angry. So again, it's not about taking the feelings out of it. It's not about letting anyone off the hook. It's not about really diving into the deep pain that the person has caused their partner and their family, you know, if in fact it it did harm to the family. But it's about leaving room to respect everybody involved, to recognize people's humanity, and also to recognize if someone's sitting in the office and they are truly willing to do whatever it takes, and we don't mean say that they're willing to do whatever it takes, right? We talk about this a lot, doing whatever it takes, showing actual commitment to doing the necessary things to help repair. When we have that person in the room and we have a partner who's been hurt that's in the room with them, then we have to look at it as you guys want to repair this relationship. So we are going to help you do that in a restorative way We are not going to endorse or support this happening in an environment of punishment. And retribution. And retribution and shame and guilt, 
right? And I think sometimes what happens in the field of betrayal is that when mental health professionals are offering compassion towards the one who has betrayed and offering them rights and offering them their own safety boundaries, then it's looked at as though those mental health professionals are in some way hurting or not respecting or not seeing the betrayed partner. And that's actually not what's going on. And we, we're we hoping, the reason we did this whole podcast is we wanted to hopefully put this in some kind of a context so that people who are concerned, like, well, why isn't there punishment? There should be punishment, right? Like he or she did this to me and there's got to be some kind of punishment. And what we say is, okay, let's slow down. There has to be consequences. There have to be appropriate consequences. And the betrayed partner has to have boundaries to keep themselves safe, right? And we do triage. We do treat the person who's bleeding out, right? That's the person right off the bat that needs to be attended to. So all of that is true. And for anyone wanting to heal the relationship after betrayal, obviously you don't have to. Many people choose not to stay. Many people try and then it doesn't work. And we support everybody in doing whatever feels right for you. But for those who want to heal the relationship, we feel very strongly about encouraging you to step into, if you're not already, a restorative justice model. And talking to the professionals that are helping you, if you are working with professionals that are helping you, to talk about, are we doing that? And if we're not, help us take the steps to do that, right? And it's challenging. It might not be easy because it really does. To be honest, it puts the burden, in my opinion, on the betrayed partner, right? And that person's been burdened a lot. So this, you know, I recognize that this is probably hard for some people to hear, right? Like I've been burdened a lot. Now I have to take on an additional burden, but yes, that is the truth because it's going to be harder for you to allow that restorative process and move away from punishment and move away from indictment and assigning guilt and shame and focusing on those things, which can feel like for some people, the only thing that you can focus on because the pain and the abuse has been horrible. But I would also add this, Marnie, because when I look at this model, This does not let off easy the person who has done the betrayal. In some ways, it is even harder for the person who's done the betrayal to do this because they have to honestly look at the harm they caused. They have to dig in and understand how they have hurt their partner, their family, um, all the people that their choices have impacted. And they can't shy yeah, away. Yeah, all the people, all the, sorry to interrupt, but I just wanted to say, it's looking at all the people whose lives they have blown up. Yes, and they have to do that with brutal honesty. And I can tell you that when a person does that and they work there, it is really, really hard. But, you know, we're not shying away from the truth. We're looking at it eyes forward and holding accountability to that, but done in a restorative way so that they can understand it, they can change it, and they can make the repair to the persons they've harmed. So critical. So critical. And so we really want to leave you with this understanding of we want to help you heal. We want your relationship to heal if you want your relationship to heal. And if that is you, 
then we hope that you will consider what we've shared today in the spirit of healing, right? That's that's all we want to do. We want to give people the best opportunity to heal. And if you don't want to heal your relationship, but you want to heal yourself, then I also believe that this restorative justice model is important because even if we leave a relationship to remain in that toxicity within ourselves, that's just like drinking poison. So we really do encourage everybody to learn a bit more about this and to look at your own relationship if you are indeed trying to heal the relationship and recognize what's going on here. How have we been approaching this? How have I been approaching this? And how do we have to approach this? And please remember, and you can do your own research if you'd like, but Evidence does support the fact that when you work from this restorative justice model that we've been talking about today, the likelihood of the offending behavior to continue is reduced substantially. We see higher rates of recovery and success and healing when we are using that model than we do it with any other model. Yeah, there's a saying that I like to tell the person who's done the betrayal, and that's focus so much on healing your partner that you've betrayed, you will heal yourself because that is inherent in this model because it's about looking inward and looking at the harm caused. So it really does lead to healing for everyone involved. And that's what we want for you. So thank you for listening to another episode of Helping Couples Heal. We really do advocate for everybody who's trying to heal. That is what we wish for you. That is what we hope for you. And we are honored for the opportunity to continue to support you as you move towards your goals of healing and repair. Yeah. Thank you so much for trusting us. And we'll see you soon. Thank you for listening to the Helping Couples Heal podcast, where your healing is the number one priority. If you'd like additional resources about betrayal trauma or to learn more about the workshop, please visit helpingcouplesheal.com. If you're finding the podcast helpful, please support Marnie and Dwayne in continuing to reach others impacted by betrayal trauma by leaving a review on iTunes and sharing this podcast with someone you care about. Once again, thank you for listening. We're grateful for your trust and look forward to continuing to support you on your journey of healing.